Hello, everybody out there. Welcome to the next edition of Volley. It's Carolyn April here, and I am, as always, looking for my buddy Seth. Seth Robinson, where are you? I'm here. Hey, bud. How you doing? Snowbound. I heard, yeah, you guys are getting a little uh, deluge there. Yeah, you got it earlier in the week. Sometimes we send our weather to you, but we, what you got earlier in the week was not that. So you got something. Yeah, I think we got now... something that came down from Canada. Ah, uh, the Canadians. Yeah. It's either it's either you guys or we either get in the Midwest or Canada or we get the hurricane uh, dregs from down south and southeast. So oh, you get it all. We do. Yeah. We do. Well, well, I'm sure. Did your kids have a snow day and all of that? Yeah, so, yeah. Everything's kind of shut down, um, and they told us to stay at home if we could, and I can. So um, it's not you know horrible. Uh, you know, there's people out there driving, but. It's bad enough that if you don't have to get out there, why bother? Nope. You might as well stay in. Make your kids do the shoveling. Yeah, that's what I did first thing this morning. I I was surprised that they, uh, you know, my son wanted to jump on the snowblower. He's never done that before, but he did a, you know, pretty good job. And it was certainly good enough that uh, <laughs> I didn't have to get out there, so... That's excellent. Excellent. I've been I've had a hard time convincing mine. Well, I've only got one now at home to uh, pick up a shovel. But uh, but I consider it a form of exercise if I get out there and do it. I can knock off doing regular exercise for the day. Yeah. 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 It uh, it definitely can be a workout. Uh-huh. Yeah. If it's heavy snow it can for sure. So what are we talking about today? So you brought up that you were kind of interested in all of the news that's been floating around about the iPhone 10 or the iPhone X, I guess. I I think Apple, actually, the official name is the iPhone 10, but I hear more people saying X. And uh, so that's kind of interesting that it's it gets to be out of their control. But whatever you call it, uh, there were a few stories recently about exactly how well it's selling. They had their quarterly results. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in addition to their quarterly results... Uh, as always with Apple and a lot of other tech companies, there are rumors about what's coming down the pipe, uh, or in this case, what's not coming down the pipe. So why don't you kick it off? What all? What all have you heard? What got what got your attention? Well, it, what got my attention is their sales uh, numbers were, you know, disappointing to say the least for the company, and the fact that they've ordered their manufacturing plants overseas to decrease the number of devices that they will be building right now. And I think they cut the number by half of whatever the, you know, the initial order was for. And I think that's unprecedented for Apple to have to do that. And these were disappointing sales from the holiday time, which is one you would expect the most sales of new devices like that. I mean, that phones are when, I, you know, when I've gotten my kids' phones, for instance, it's usually a Christmas gift or something. So, um, so it's interesting. So it, what it raised from, to me in my head was, okay, is this just a problem with Apple and their price point and people are just basically rebelling. Like we're not going to, we, we, we like your phones, but we're not going to um, pay a thousand dollars for this one. Sorry, Charlie. Or is there is something more going on here where people are now getting fatigued about annual upgrades of phones and other types of devices that uh, have only incremental improvements or new features, some that may not even be necessary, or or is it a combination of both of those things? Like, say, if the iPhone X or 10, whatever you want to call it, had been 500 bucks, would we have seen tremendous sales? Or would we have still seen lackluster sales because of the latter reason I just mentioned, that people are just sort of sick of, what am I getting? 
to trade in my iPhone 7 that is working really well for me right now for this new phone. And I know we've talked about, you have the phone, so we've talked about some of the, the changes to it. Um, and you had, I think you had sort of a good review, but not great review, if I recall. Right, right, yeah. And I, I can definitely talk more about some of the features that I think get into what you're talking about with a little bit of fatigue, a little bit of, is this worth it? I definitely want to separate out a couple of the narratives that are that are there. So Apple sales were not what people were expecting, but they were still like good. Like especially if you look at the the weekly iPhone sales because Apple did a little bit of funniness because this quarter was a little bit shorter than previous quarters uh, and so the quarter by quarter definitely looks different. And the week by week is kind of on par, and, and they've sold a lot of them, but still, you know, analysts had expectations, and they didn't meet those expectations. And certainly those expectations are taking into consideration the length of the quarter and all of that. Um, and, and I do think that the price point got in the way of that a little bit. I, I think people had trouble thinking about $1,000 for a phone. I know inside of CompTIA, when they were refreshing people's phones, there was a little bit more you know, internal angst over that, that price point. And I also think the thing that was a little confusing was you've got the iPhones 8 out there that are at kind of the normal price point, and they've got a lot of the same features like wireless charging and things like that, and they don't have everything, but they're still a pretty good phone, all the internal upgrades. And, and so there's some confusion out there, but there's this other side of the narrative where Apple is cutting back their orders and they are planning to stop production of the phone, and people are pointing to what they think the fall lineup is going to look like for Apple, that it's going to have a lot of phones that look like the current iPhone 10, so just the, the full screen uh, with no bezels, no home button, whatever. And there's going to be a couple different variations of them. So there's going to be like the brand new ones, and then there's going to be one that is new. It's not the iPhone 10, but it's kind of sitting in that spot of the year-old phone. Uh, so it's going to be a little lower price point. It won't have all the upgraded internals and chips and all that stuff. And I think this is where I've seen a lot of people online getting confused about that. They're like, oh my gosh, Apple is having to drop the iPhone 10." Well, the reality is in the hardware world, if they have those things on their roadmap, if that's what they're releasing in the fall, they've known that for years. And it's not that is not a reaction to anything that's happening. And what it makes me feel like is that for them, this current iPhone 10 model was always a stopgap. It was what they could get out in a given market window to introduce a lot of new features that they want to carry on into the future, um, but they never meant to keep producing it. Uh, now, you, you bring that up against you know the price point and some of the confusion with the iPhones 8, and, and it's not clear that they had all of their messaging together but I definitely don't think that it's it's correct to read everything that they're doing now as a complete reaction to poor iPhone 10 sales. Well, okay, you raise a good point. If it's not a reaction, then I find it to be a bit a bit disingenuous to their customers. If they've known all along they're putting out these brand new phones coming this fall to go ahead and release these without the the knowledge out there that that was going to be happening, so the people who did buy the you know the iPhone um, 10x whatever. Uh, are now in a situation where they spent the thousand dollars for this phone, and uh, in a year's time, a whole new lineup is going to come out. So I think they could potentially be ticking off some people who are customers of theirs who are not going to buy the new ones when they come out in the fall. 
I think you're right about that. I think that they, they could be doing that. I know when I got mine in the fall, I had waited an extra year on the our typical refresh cycle. So I had gone like three years and I was pretty itchy for a new phone. But I was saying to uh, another colleague of ours that if I had just gotten like the iPhone 7, I would probably try to wait a year because I had the feeling that a lot of these things that they were putting into this phone were going to be a little, you know, first iteration-ish, especially the Face ID. Uh, now that I've had it and used it for a long time, that is the one that still stands out to me as it's going to be a lot better in a future iteration. And so you've got a segment of people that are going to buy the new iPhone every year, no matter what. Uh, and these people obviously have the disposable income to want to do that or whatever. For, for everyone else, the, the whole market is getting into this spot of maturity where I think a lot of people are thinking, okay, I, I used to get one every two years. Do I need to get another one? Could I wait another year? You know, what could I do here? And if people are thinking that and the new phone that drops is $1,000 uh, or even more if you want to get extra memory, then I, I think that that only drives that feeling further. Right. And and if this was a stopgap, which, again, from from my perspective, think looking at it kind of through hardware lenses, that's what I see. But I think you're right that the general public kind of isn't going to get that. They're going to say, what, what is Apple doing here? And I I think Apple is marching along a roadmap. They certainly have the cash to take a few risks and uh, maybe do some things that, you know, aren't going to be perfect on day one, but set them up for future success. And it'll be interesting to see how those type of actions, which again, financially, they could probably weather, how that begins to affect mood and perception of the brand. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what they could do is, you know, those who did invest in this um, initial iteration of the iPhone 10, um, you know, if they want to upgrade in the fall of this year, give them a discount on it. That's that would potentially be an idea, although I doubt they would do it. I'm not sure. But um, what I would like to see and just this is just I'm making a shout out here. Hopefully Apple can hear me. But uh, what I'd like to see is anyone who can develop phone wise better battery life. That's the only feature that I care about. <laughs> give me battery unending battery life and I will buy your phone for whatever price you put on it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've felt for a while like that is the thing that more companies should be focused on. And, yes. I, you know, the, give me a new screen. That's great, whatever. But I'd love to get through a second day on a full charge. Yes. Um, and they they must have their market research that says that as much noise as people make about it, they they they're not that serious about it or something because it's not it's not changing. And certainly there are some physical limitations and battery technology is not advancing on a Moore's law type curve or whatever, but I don't know. I, I feel like give me the same processor speed. And, and at that point, if you're giving the same processor speed, now you can shrink the processor. You can start to shrink some of the internal components and you can simply make it a bigger battery. But that, that doesn't seem to be, that, that hasn't been heard for the past few years. So I know. I feel like that should be a priority. The, the, the little engine that could, that, figures out a way to improve battery life, I think that they're going to go gangbusters corporately. And, you know, the the new improve, new the slight improvements to the camera every single release, I know people love that, but to me, to take some R&D and focus exclusively and really put some money into it on battery development would be this is the place to go. But that's my little soapbox. 
Yeah, and I, I mean, there. If we're talking about you know different rumors and things that are getting written about this new iPhone, there's some current thinking that these batteries are going to degrade kind of quickly over time because you know people are going to be doing the wireless charging and now they've got fast charging, and so that eats into the number of charging cycles that can be done. And so people are going to get like 18 months down the road and feel like their batteries are crapping out on them. Definitely on my old phone, the battery was kind of the first thing to go. Like when I hit two years, I was still okay. And then somewhere about six months later, that battery started going downhill really fast and I had to get it replaced. Yeah, same thing happened to me. Mine swelled and it actually broke apart the hardware at the seam. I don't know if I told you that. I, I had remember to get a- that. Yeah, you told me. Yeah. yeah. So it started degrading really quickly. You wouldn't hold a charge for more than a couple hours. And then uh, and then it was getting really hot. And then it started to separate the, the actual hardware itself. So that's when I took it into the Apple store. And they're like, oh, you, you, you got to get rid of that. Stop using it immediately. I didn't even get a new battery. They gave me a whole new phone. Yeah. But... Yeah, I there, there's a lot of interesting things going on out there. Like I said, I, I do think that the... The, the hardware roadmap is something that I haven't seen people give quite enough credit to, but that doesn't really take the place of a lot of the missteps or perceptions that you've talked about. And one that I think is really interesting is just the fatigue with technology in general. I feel like we've definitely gotten to a point where we look at our mobile devices, we look at social media, there's a lot being written about this, about hey, you know, maybe we're not so thrilled with every impact that it has here. And maybe we're not so happy with exactly what it's doing to society in general. Uh, and I, I see people starting to want to meter their technology usage a little bit more. And in some cases, calling on the Apples of the world or the Facebooks of the world to to put in some of that metering for them, um, because I guess they feel like they're addicted and <laughs> they're not going to be able to do it themselves. And And Facebook has made some changes to their news feed that that would seem to go uh, in that direction and against the direction of wanting to get as many eyeballs and sell as much advertising as possible. But I I find it very interesting that we're, I I don't know exactly what you would call it, maybe seven years here into kind of this mobile social cloud world, maybe a little bit more than that. And I think we're starting to feel those second order effects. Oh, I absolutely believe that too. Um, I'm not sure if we're seeing it in the younger generation, but I do think that there is a level of fatigue out there that we've come, well, we realize that there's no going back. Devices like this, social media, those sorts of things are part of the fabric of, of contemporary society today. However, I think you're right about there being an addiction level where it gets, it tips into dangerous. And, you know, there've been a lot of sociological and psychological studies that get written up in the news that trouble me, you know, and I was talking about this earlier. They're, you know, they're teens today. They did studies are not going out with their friends. They're, they're talking to them on FaceTime or whatever platform that they use in their house. I mean, on a, on a day where I say a school day off, for instance, and it's not a snow day where you can't travel. Kids will just sit in their rooms and communicate with each other in a group chat when they're all in the same, you know, three mile radius of one another, that depresses me. And I think that that, that sort of thing uh, makes me think about the merits of this always on, always connected lifestyle that kids, kids have today. And I think it, it detracts from their ability to connect 
um, in real life. As you, and, and, and I know this is not a new topic, but it, it, it genuinely upsets me. And I do think that we are seeing a bit of a backlash among certain people in our society that they, you know, want to take a break from their technology. You read these stories, you know, the first person stories about people like I went off social media for the last year. This is what it was like. Or I put my phone away for the last you know, week and, you know, I had a panic attack, but I got over it, you know, those sort of things. I think we're going to see more of that in this, this next coming years. Yeah, I, I think there's something generational here where we look at behavior and we say there's something being lost there. Um, and when we say that there's something lost, what we mean is there's something in the experience of life that I have in my mind that is being lost. And I think like for my kids or your kids or, or you know, people that are younger and have grown up with this stuff, I don't think that they feel that sense of loss. I think they feel like some things have been gained. They, they probably actually just feel like it's kind of normal. And so there is going to be a different pattern in the future. And if something is lost there, then, you know, it's probably going going to be lost. But I, I do think that, that there will be a, a period here where we, we figure out what is responsible usage of this stuff. It's just like... There's a lot of great stuff out there. There's a lot of delicious desserts that I love so much, but I can't just consume them constantly, and I kind of know that, and I want to take care of myself, and I think that's what people will start doing with technology. I think they'll realize, oh, all the time that I spent on this social network, it actually got to a point where I was feeling more lonely, or I was feeling worse than I did before, and so I stopped achieving the benefits, and so people are going to have to figure out where that is for them. And and again, for a younger generation, that point might be different than it would be for you or I. But if they come to that realization and if they begin consuming technology responsibly, then it will be interesting to see how we can shape this and how we can use these new tools for good without having all of the bad side effects. Yeah, maybe it's a, a course correction, much like the stock market is undergoing right now. <laughs> We'll see a technology usage course correction. Uh, I see it, and uh, it'll it'll be interesting. Uh, since we have kids in the teen sphere, it'll be really interesting to watch the next, you know, say decade and see where they're at in terms of their relation to technology by then. You know, their late twenties or whatever. I'm looking forward to seeing how that how that shakes out. Yeah, because I I also think that technology usage and the way that you approach it and what you're trying to get out of it changes as you mature in general. I, I, I know my daughter and I have talked, uh, we talked just this past weekend about how she views her identity and how she displays that with technology versus how I do. And it's, it's different. And I don't think it's just generational. I think it's the fact that I'm a little bit older and there are certain parts of my identity that I'm trying to display a little bit more than she might be. So yeah, we'll, it, it will be interesting to watch. Maybe we'll have, uh, more youth studies like we talked about last time and we'll we'll be able to see how the the trend is shifting. Yeah, definitely. Something to keep our eyes on. So, um I just want to end if we could today with a little homage to to an icon of mine and I think a lot of people in the technology world um as well as uh those deadheads shout out out there who listen to the Grateful Dead music. Uh we lost uh John Perry Barlow this week. Uh he was a for, foremost he was um, the founder of the Electronic Frontier Fund Foundation, which, uh, for those of you who know and many of you do, was founded in 1990, and it really was uh, a nonprofit organization that was uh, all about 
figuring out in the early days of the internet how to protect digital rights, how to protect freedom of speech on the internet, and really was an advocate for you know privacy, um, making sure that surveillance was not happening. And he started that with a couple of other folks, and it is still in existence today. It's gone on to be a pretty big lobbying organization, uh, and they do a lot of defense work for folks. Uh, how I came to know John Perry Barlow is because I am uh, a bit of a Grateful Dead head, and he is well, he worked with Bob Weir of the Grateful Dead, who was the musician in the Grateful Dead, and wrote many, many iconic songs uh, for the Dead. And those of you who listen to that music will know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, and he did that in the you know 60s and 70s, so long before he started the uh, long for the Internet age, and then he became the tech guru that that, that he was for the last couple of decades of his life, but I just want to give a shout out and uh, rest in peace to him. Well, I, uh, I don't have the Grateful Dead connection that you do, but uh, I certainly appreciate how someone like John and, and some other people that really got us to where we are today digitally, how much they were visionaries and how ahead of the, t- the time they were. And, and even now, I think some of their, their thoughts are still not fully embraced. Uh, And so it's great to have uh, EFF out there and we'll certainly miss John. Absolutely. Alrighty, my friend, another one in the books. Yep. Uh, Hope you get snowed out and you get to shovel out before the weekend so you can go do your thing. Mm. Yeah. What do you got planned? You know, it's pretty open weekend, I think. No more football. We didn't even discuss that. I no, was... on our last podcast, we said we were going to after, but I figured you might not want to. Oh, so. my heartbreak over the Patriots. Oh, I'm, I'm feeling better. I was bad. We were done volley on Monday or Tuesday, then, then I wouldn't have wanted to talk about it at all. Mm. But yes, um, I'm, I'm starting to lick my wounds and... You know, we'll uh, we'll move on. But there's no football this weekend, and so that's been my kind of part of my every Sunday for the last the whole you know four months or whatever it's been, and five months. So um, I might go skiing. That's uh, that's a, that's a possibility either Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. Well, if you were if you were here, and if we had mountains here, um, you could definitely get some skiing in. I think it's uh, it's prime for it. But uh, yeah, hope that you have a good one. Whatever you do. And uh, I will talk to you soon. Sounds good, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye.